Why is all of your gaming surrounded around emotional trauma? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Irenacast. I'm your host, Jeff, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Mona and Alan. We are post-evangelical ministers and theological thinkers grappling with our place in the progressive Christian world. Thank you for joining us for another conversation on faith and culture. This week, we are going to be talking about video games, not only for our conversation, but also for our segment where we will share our personal insights as to what we believe to be the greatest and worst games that we've ever played or heard of or whatever. Um, But for the conversation, we're going to be talking about some of the perhaps moral and spiritual implications of video games and even maybe the demonizing of the medium itself. So let's, let's do it. Let's get into it. Doesn't it doesn't it feel a little bit weird to talk about this given all the crazy stuff that's going on in the country? In, in the world. <laughs> it feels kind of nice. I'm not going to lie. It feel, it feels take nice. a little bit. Take a little Jeff, bit of a break with chuckled. us and talk about games. Right. Jeff, you chuckled when you introduced this subject a little bit. I heard it <laughs> under your breath. I heard it. It, it, was a, it wasn't a chuckle like, I can't believe we were doing this. It was a chuckle like, man, it's nice to be happy for a second. <laughs> this this reminds me like this i really wanted to talk about this and it reminds me um of the episode on aliens where mona's like you're gonna have to convince me that this is an important (laughs) subject and i was like i swear it is and that's like my favorite episode yeah i love video games but yeah you're gonna have to convince me how we can talk about the theology of video games i suppose we could say can we honestly think of one episode where we went into it thinking i don't know about this and then didn't end up being like wow that turned out pretty good yeah like when alan convinced us to be vegetarians that was really good (laughs) and i still eat less meat because of it i'll have you know Uh, you've saved tons of water because of your influence i've saved lives you've saved lives I think this is an important topic just in my mind for the fact that I believe for the past 20 or 30 years, as the video game industry has gotten so massive and such a big part of our culture, um, faith communities have got it kind of all wrong, especially the evangelical community that I come out of. And uh, I have like a whole bunch of reasons for why I think that. But that's I think that's just a part of the the conversation. There's a lot of little things we can talk about, little nuances. Wait, what do you mean they've gotten it wrong? Hey, what do you mean? Got it wrong? Explain to us. You guys ready for this? Teach us. You you ready for your mind to be blown? Yes. Up, up, down, down, left, right, A, B, A, B. You know that GIF where the guy like puts his hands up to his head and he like lifts his hands up and there's like an explosion by his forehead? That's what you're going to feel right now. You're going to feel so so enlightened. You're going to make our minds explode. Your minds explode. Here's, Here's what it is. I think the things that beset evangelicalism in general the way that they conceive of like mission and their work in the world are duplicated in the online or in the gaming communities in the world. So for instance, um, (laughs) for instance, uh, the way evangelicalism has seen missions work for so long is you go into a different culture, you invalidate that culture, you bring yours as if it were the gospel. And then instead of like going to be there in partnership with the good things and the work that is happening already, in other places where God is already at work in other cultures and religions. And it's like a colonialistic, a colonialistic attitude. And you go into a space, you ask people to leave their worlds to join yours. And you make this like little um, disconnected community. And I think that that has happened with video gaming on so many different levels. Like if you go, if you go way back uh, to the, the days of doom, like in the 1990s, 
you see all of these wait like, you're Christian just, just for clarification you're talking about doing yes. the video game not that the 90s were full of doom <laughs> right. right yes okay doom i just wanted to clarify in the 90s. <laughs> right 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 like a little 8-bit stuff and um the uh there were gaming christians who started creating like christian games right they they, they saw how evil the gaming like system was. So they were going to create these alternatives for Christians to buy. And so there's this one guy who was trying to create the game catechumen is what it's called. Um, catechumen being a reference to like the people who were learning in the ancient church, you know, going through uh, the catechism to learn about like what it means to be a Christian. Anyway, catechumen is this Roman soldier, this Roman uh, guy who is going through the catechesis to become a Christian in the ancient church and he gets imprisoned in Rome and he breaks out and has to find his instructor, the Christian that's helping him become a Christian. And so he has to fight all these demons, just like the doom game. It's almost like a, a reskin of, of that game. And so he has like the sword of the spirit and there's an angel following him. And he has like the armor of God and all this stuff. All that to say there was an entire industry that was created at that moment of alternative media like the the church provides this alternative space over and against culture we've seen that in the what god's not dead movies and stuff like that oh yes i'm well well familiar with those (laughs) uh well yeah before you before you get too much into that i want to just clarify one thing that you're talking about so i i agree like we had the the evangelical churches that i grew up in we had a tendency to you know create our own because the world's was bad uh but that is What's interesting to me is that that's not a bad motivation, but it's misplaced in the sense that they didn't – all they replaced Doom with was another violent video game that just happened to be based <laughs> on angels and demons. But there's a positive side of that. Like It's not just angels and demons. You literally kill demon-possessed guards. True. Like that's okay. your job. Okay, but <laughs> Which is... but aside from that, like the, the, the motivation that happened that's a, a good result of that is another Christian who came up with a game that wasn't like for the sense of Christianity, but took that first-person shooter perspective and created Myst. And instead of using like guns right. okay. and they right. use things that were actually beneficial and created one of the greatest games of all time. Thank you for stealing my thunder, Jeff. Oh, sorry. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, we'll continue. Yes, I would say if you look at that game, you're referring to Mist, which is one of the greatest games ever created. Um, it's definitely a different, a different flavor, and I think that that is that's a, a faithful way of doing like game creation as someone who's like a person of faith. And um, but there, there's there's almost like this this need to just pump out all these Christian versions of stuff, and it it highlights like theological problems for me um, thinking that like we're going to be better than the world or we're better just because we have a Christian label on it. And yeah. uh, there's, there's one game in particular when I was in college, it came out and my college roommate and I at a Christian Bible college bought it and played it together. I, I know where you're going and with that this is one. The, uh, the left behind yes. series video game. It was a game? Yeah. Eternal oh, forces Lord. is what it was called. A PC game. It came. Yeah. We bought it. It came in a little box with like CDs and stuff. And um, <laughs> just to give you an idea, you command the forces of Christians to like fight and pray. So you're basically like throughout the game um, going through this process of praying and getting up enough energy through praying to go uh, kill people, like kill uh, enemy units. And then like you're but low, only people that have the your... mark, right? Because it's too late <laughs> yeah, for them anyway. Only people who have the mark. Yeah. Right. Basically zombies. 
Yeah, people who follow the Antichrist. And it like lowers your spirit bar and requires extra prayer. All that to say, when the Christian forces of culture tried to create this alternative gaming arena, other than Myst, Jeff, um, it basically created a caricature of theology. And it it like participated in this like bankrupt version of what Christianity really was. And I, and it's not just because of the theology of it. It's like, once you define your, um, your media over and against all the other stuff, like it, it becomes a caricature. That's why we know Christian movies when we see them. Right. And there, isn't there something f- philosophically though, that cheapens the truth of what you're trying to say when you turn it into a game in any capacity? Yeah, Maybe. Huh. Oh, see, that's another question. Is video games a valid art form? Like, cause that kind of like, Oh, I think it's totally a video valid art form. But if you're trying to preach like eternal religious truths through a game, like, is that even possible? Right. Maybe they just, I don't through know. Maybe a war game. Yeah. Right. They just bit off more than they could chew and, and it just wasn't believable or something like, so what, what, what's the critique here? I mean, I think it is interesting. The theory that that like birthed a whole alt, uh, cultural movement of trying to like, present other forms of culture that were similar but somehow safer and more jesus uh worshiping i guess than the secular um, yeah so it's a, it's a form of separatism is what we're what we see a yes. lot in different culture um you see that in christian music industry right you know jesus prayed is prayed in the garden like it's not my will that they be taken out of the world but it's a famous thing in john but they'd be a participant in the world and like, just like in every other arena of human existence, Christians got in here and then they said, all of this is bad. Literally, all these video games are bad because they're secular and you should only participate in the ones that are good because they're they're Christian. And so like creating these communities was a way of, I think, speaking to what some people felt, especially in the 90s, especially around like Columbine and stuff, that video games were causing people to to go on shooting sprees and they were causing violence and they themselves are immoral. I think what I'm trying to get at is like a whole whole bunch of different things. I appreciate Christians who enter into the art form and enter into the community itself instead of just creating this other community outside of the the gaming industry. In an attempt to condemn the community, right? Yes. That seems to be the key. that's the same for music and movies. It's not participating in it, it's condemning it. Yeah. Right. But also, um, I'm also trying to make the point that touches on the morality of gaming itself, like the morality of video games themselves. I heard so much when I was younger and when I was a youth pastor, we used to put on video game parties and stuff. And I'd have to wrestle with the morality of like, Hey, this is a shooter game where you shoot aliens. And this is a game where you shoot real people as if you were in the army. And like, what's the, what's the um, morality surrounding those things. And um, I think for, for me, on an individual level, not as a youth pastor, like <laughs> totally. So that's the side. But like, what's the morality of a video game in and of itself? I'm less in, in interested in. Oh, is there witchcraft? Therefore, it's evil. Is there killing in this game? Therefore, it's evil. And more interested in like the world that a game presents to me is what's moral or amoral or immoral. Like the uh, Left Behind and the Catechumen games, which are Christian, to me are immoral games. Because they present a world to me where, like, someone's not a Christian, therefore they can be killed based off of solely the idea that they're not a Christian. You know what I mean? And it demonizes people who are from a different religion. So for me, like, that's an amoral thing, whereas millions of of dollars went into this and people bought it because it was so Christian. Whereas I look at a game like, for instance, Bioshock, which is very violent and 
It's very creative. That that is like a much more moral game because it presents a world that questions um, laissez-faire capitalism and all sorts of things. So hopefully that's not too much at once, but I'm interested in the layers of morality. This label that uh, I've heard my whole life that something is Christian, like who gets to decide to slap that label on? It's like you see this in so many all cultural things, right? From art, like I'm thinking of like Thomas Kincaid who like embezzled money, but somehow he's still like a Christian painter. I don't know. I don't get it. Like how do some people just get to like have that title and claim it and own it and stick that little label on and it's a Christian game? Like what makes that a Christian game just because someone says it is? Does not make it Christian? Or a Christian made it or something. And then therefore it's a Christian game. I think what makes it, what makes you allowed to label it that is the community that you're a part of. Like yeah. if, because the same, you could say the same thing with any genre of music, like what, what makes punk music, punk music? Well, the punk community decides that we accept this as that. So if within the Christian community, if they say this is a Christian thing and people are on board, I think the validation alone gives it that label. There's no singular Christian community, just like there's no singular Christian party or no singular. True. Like, it's not a monolith. Like, I was talking to a a friend of mine who's conservative and was like, I don't know what happened to the Republican Party. It's supposed to be the Christian Party. And I'm like, there's like millions of Christians who vote Democrat. Like, where did this come from that we just get the Christian sticker? It pisses me off. It doesn't make any sense. Well, to true, me. but that's just, just so, that's that's the community has co-opted that term, and most people most people that aren't involved in any sort of Christianity, if they think Christian, they think that brand of Christianity, right? I like I I really like where you're going with this, Mona. I do. How, why? Because I think it touches on something I've haven't fully been able to voice yet. Like I've I've written like one of the first things I ever wrote on the um the blog was about casting pearls before swine kind of thing, creating all this Christian merchandise just to pump it out there, whether it's not, it's like not really Christian or not. Like how does a shirt become Christian? How does a (laughs) table become Christian? You know what I mean? Like I I anointing oil usually is the first step (laughs) (laughs) and then some sort of ritualistic prayer. Like, can I buy a Christian car? You know? Yeah, I mean, it, that would that would presume that like everybody who's ever made anything is like that thing that they make <laughs> has to be slapped with the label. Like Martin he, Luther he, said, uh, "Christians, uh, Christian shoemakers make really good shoes, not shoes with little crosses on them." I'd hope that that's not like a a myth. I think he actually said that, <laughs> but that's the point, right? Is that Christians are engaged in like creating really quality things because they're a part of the world and appreciate the world, not slapping a cross on a mint and saying this is a christian mint now you know the the testament yeah well okay so um (laughs) so we're talking about whether it's it's ethical or not or valid or not to create alternate cultures not necessarily okay because i i I think think i'm more talking about in that regard yeah absolutely i'm just looking at the history of what has happened okay i'm looking at the history of the development of video games and stuff and so the extrapolation of um creating alternate video games once it became an online like revolution and people started spending time online and talking to each other online there was like the birth of alternative communities online of christian gamers and so there's like thousands of christian clans and soldiers for christ and this and that that play video games regularly together and have their like little Christian clans and engage in missionary activity. And it's funny that like the the church or scholars or theology doesn't really have access to this world because it's been passed off as something that's not even real. You know, it's for nerdy loner kids or whatever, but now that there's millions of people involved, like this is, 
this is an interesting psychological and theological area of study for me, I think. And I'm not entirely sure how I feel about all of it. It's more like I kind of wanted to talk about this out loud so that I can arrive at different ideas and thoughts about it and hear what you think. Well, we all evangelize the thing that we are most passionate about, right? Like if we believe that reform needs to happen in a particular group that we are a part of, that we are invested in, we, we are going to express a certain amount of our frustration and try to make it difference, right? So from someone who's coming from a Christian perspective and they believe, or from someone who's coming from an evangelical perspective, I don't want to make the same mistake that we're complaining about with the idea of using the word Christian, but if they're coming from that perspective and they're entering in an avenue and an arena that they believe needs reform, then it's only natural that that they're only going to try to engage that thing. So I think what you're saying, Alan, is right, is that by creating a separate space for that, they are almost counteracting their very own mission by instead of engaging and evangelizing, they are now separating and condemning. Yeah. When I identified more as an evangelical, I actually wrote a a paper, a really long paper on video games and even evangelizing and stuff. And I think it's posted to our website. Um, and I may or may not feel dif- differently about it now, but my main critique was that evangelism or whatever is like, it's just gone about the wrong way by the church in general. I think where I'm at now is it's more about partnership. It's more about being true to what you think and what you believe and not forcing Christ onto all these different things, you know, all these different. It's as if you are going into a game space and saying, you're all doing it wrong. You're all immoral. You have to leave your space and come join mine in this Christian clan or whatever. That is the same thing that colonialism did when we went to Hawaii and told them all your culture is wrong and we're going to end it and we're going to like ruin you economically so that we can change your culture and destroy it in the name of Jesus. And I feel that about video games online. That's what Christians are doing right now. And it feels disingenuous. That's a good, that's a good analogy for sure. Um, Yeah. So my, it it makes sense. My question is, it sounds like video video games have sprung up on the bedrock of, like you said, some of the earliest games being Christian. And it sounds like from what you said, I don't know if we tease this out fully, but those games, were they designed to evangelize? Yeah. Like we're, well, I would imagine that they would get funding, right? Yes from and churches. No. They were supposed to satisfy Christians who wanted to play a game and didn't have a game to play. And yeah, at but the same time, that's before games were popular. That's really interesting uh, to me. Like Doom was pretty popular. There was like Wolfenstein. There was there's quite a few games coming out. Yeah, it was yeah. it was okay. it was growing quickly. I think that but I think that's an important distinction. Like I think that part of what we do is I I don't know. I, I didn't get a lot into the Christian games. I didn't realize there were a lot of Christian games out there, but I did work in a uh, Bible bookstore for a while, kind of in the 90s, in the advent of kind of the rise of the contemporary Christian music to a place where... There were, were not a lot of Christian games at that point, Jeff. They were just coming out. Well, just but, to. well but what I'm saying is like the... Uh, I, I never got into the Christian game thing. I don't think I was enough gamer oh. to really get into regular games. But what I'm saying is like it, there seems to be a parallel with that idea of on the surface, their tools for evangelism seem to be just marketing tools. Like they know that that's what the Christian community is going to get on board with. But the real thing is, hey, there's a real market here. Let's take advantage of it. You know what I mean? Like the evangelical nature of it seemed to be something that individual purchasers used or didn't use. But the marketing part of it was seemed to be just more about like, well, there's a good market here. Christians are spending money and we should tap into this. It worked with music and let's jump on board yeah. with games. And I think there was probably some people who raised funds 
with evangelicalism in mind or evangelizing in mind. But it was more like there's there's parents who are worried about their kids playing these games. There are parents who after uh, Columbine are worried about kids playing Doom. So let's sell catechumen. Same thing with music too, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, music was... We're worried about rock music, so let's... So my mom did that. She bought a bunch of Christian music because it was a better alternative to Weezer and all the other stuff. We well, how many to. posters did you have on your wall that said, like, <laughs> if you like this band, you'll love this band? Yeah, dude, I love that. Yeah, yeah, that. but you have to understand what happened in the 90s, that Satanism was considered really popular um, in, in the death metal scene. And there was actually, like, a very real and present like political milieu where it seemed like Satanism was becoming like kind of mainstream. Like all of these artists were embracing it. And we were told uh, that a, the baking soda had symbols of Satan on it too. I mean, That's yeah, all kinds of, there was like a demon behind every, every bush. I'm a nineties kid. I remember this stuff. Um, and so I think there were, there were real reasons why Christians were afraid. I don't think they were, they were, that, but that wasn't, but like that wasn't were, exclusive to the nineties and it wasn't even more popular in the nineties. Like you had st- that happening with the Beatles where, you know, or in the seventies with 70 music, if you played the music backwards, especially in the eighties, like if we're talking about <laughs> like music, the height yeah. of Satanism, it was yeah. the eighties right. and the metal and everything that happened there. So I think that that's kind of just been a, an ebb and flow perspective on, on death metal. But now it doesn't matter because rock, no one likes it anymore. Which and at that sad. point, game games are more immersive. So it became more of a moral issue. I think parents, parents who would let their kids listen to quote unquote secular music, wouldn't let their kids play certain games because it's more immersive. You put yourself into it much more. That's the, to me, that's the defining thing is like, that's, I'm not one to condemn any new medium. Like we always want to demonize the new technology or whatever. Uh, I think every, every new way in which we participate in entertainment or tell a story or express our art is going to have good and bad expressions of that. And I think that the potential for video games are endless and there's great things, especially with right now, the advent of VR, like the whole concept of narrative can be flipped on its end because of this because like in a book an author guides you through a narrative like they want to tell you a story in a movie it's the same way but creating a world that has multiple narratives like the skill and the beauty that can come of that like potential where no other medium could allow for that is is amazing it's wonderful it can do so many great things but it can also do so many bad things because it's not just it's not even just something that you're reading and you're participating mentally, but you, you can physically participate. You can like, you are actually a part in guiding the story within a story, within a story, you know, it's like this weird inception thing, but it's, it's amazing. It's wonderful. Like there's so many things that we can do. And I just think that, um, the, for just, for as many amazing opportunities as there are there, that's, there are that many negative ways in which we can go, which I think is a little bit understandable and how it can get a little bit scarier as we move along. I keep saying it over and over that people are migrating from the world to online worlds because they find it for whatever reason, better, you know, more worth their time, whether it's they, they have more community, quicker community, easier community, or it's more fair. Like the, the real world's not as fair. True. And, um, and I think that I that think line that, is getting yeah. harder and harder to differentiate. But at the same time, like, again, it's that balancing act. Like, we just got one of those little uh, headsets for our cell phones, like the little VR helmets to stick your cell phone I in. I want one of those. And uh, <laughs> my girls love 
animal videos. Like they watch this, this YouTube video about this guy named Coyote Peterson who goes around and captures all the animals. And just like a few days ago, we went down to the, to the water and they started pushing over logs and they caught like this whole thing of salamanders and they were super excited. Like they just love this. And the first time we put the little <laughs> VR helmet on them, we got one of those 360 videos of um, someone underwater. And they, you should have seen them. It was like, oh my gosh, I'm here under the water. And they were saying, there's a fish. And you're just watching this little girl with a headset. That. And she, in her brain, she's in this new world where she's seeing all these different things. So I think it's it's just like anything else. I think we just need to be balanced and, and yeah. be in awe of what it can do and be wary and cautious of the other things that it can do. It's interesting to me that I see a lot of, um, you know, we were just criticizing Christians kind of for being separatist and for withdrawing from society and from community. And to me, my experience with video games is that it does the same thing. I've known people personally who play video games like 12 hours a day and like completely withdraw from their lives, from community, from their responsibilities even. I mean, there have been cases of child neglect and all kinds of strange things from people getting addicted to video games. So I I think that there, it's an incredible incredibly powerful medium for that reason what what my question remains is like this is such a powerful medium it's kind of been relinquished by people who kind of like take their works and themselves seriously right like i mean video the video game industry is like what i don't know billions of dollars of industry nowadays so it's like it's such a developed and intense intensely developed intensely entrenched like intensely broad industry but like you said earlier alan's like most people don't really take it seriously at all so i wonder what will happen in the future if you know, millennials and Google generation people get older, people who've been engrossed in these video games and can and know the kind of power that they have. Like, what would happen if, this is my great big what if, what would happen if we started using video, video games to solve social ills? Like, created, I don't know, like a Pokemon Go, but like, for social issues or for helping or for volunteering. Like, there's so much potential to gamify certain social problems. I don't know, balancing the American budget. What if you gamified it? I mean, not not to make it legitimate, but to use it as a source of um, information to try to like crowdsource different solutions. Some of the most brilliant minds of younger generations nowadays, particularly males, but also females and people of other genders are playing games like hours and hours and hours a week. It's like wasted human potential and in in intelligence, you know, that's not wasted, but it's like not not to not to deride or shame people who do play video games, but it's like, it goes nowhere, right? It doesn't like produce anything effective in the world. It, in in the world of the video game, it's like highly effective, but outside that, it doesn't do anything. I don't see video games in that kind of light, like not doing productive things, doing things in the real world, just because I've experienced how it affects people on like a communal level. There, there are good things I can point to in the recreative space that gaming, even if it doesn't change anything outside of it. And I'm sure you feel the same way, but what you're talking about, like before that point, you're talking about gamifying stuff. And that is fascinating. There's a Ted talk on gamifying. Have you seen that Mona? I think you and I might've talked about that. Yeah, It's really good. Really good. We've, we've started doing that to like fitness and other things, but like, what if we can expand the concept of gamifying, fixing social ills? Like I'm, my brain is off off to the races right now. <laughs> I'm trying to like uh, see all the ways that that can be applied. Cause I think that that's, Oh, okay. One real life example that I, that I recently saw when one of the airplanes went down, um, I forgot which one it was, but it went down in the ocean. They were looking for it and they didn't have the manpower to, to look at all the satellite imagery. So they created websites where people could go and like search for it 
on the website imagery looking for like scraps of the plane and they could like geotag stuff just from their computer, just as if you were playing a regular video game, but you were helping in an international search effort, stuff like that. Like that's, there's so much potential there for that. There is. And, and the tech community is already doing this. Interestingly, there are tech websites um, that pull expert uh, advice. And as the experts offer more advice, they're seen more as more as more and more credible. And they actually get badges and the badges they can put on their other portfolios. So it's like a, a, a way to like level up just like video games, like they're borrowing the concepts. But what happens is they end up pooling massive um, amounts of helpful information from uh, tech experts that that so that pool of of data in the website well exceeds any one person's knowledge and people are doing it for free because they have the incentive to get something out of it that's not a typical form of currency that's brilliant i think that's the whole point of any valid art form right like it's bringing people together is creating something and creating a space where people feel like they have something in common whether it was a painting or a, a piece of music or a movie or whatever like we we've created these spaces where we can come together and have something in common and now that we can participate in those spaces again i think that the, i think that all that you're saying mona is 100 percent right on like there's so much potential for not only personal enjoyment and wonder but connection and to do good and i think it's just a matter of of really recognizing that and then also realizing that it's good to participate in things like I think gaming fitness is great, but my problem is we're also gaming war and we're using real guns in real situations. And for, for just as for all the realism that comes with connecting with people and all the good that can come to that, then there's also the negative side of that. I was listening to something earlier where they were talking about this new VR experience that they had and it was someone who was white and they put on the vr machine and for the first time saw what it was like to see themselves as a person of color and how that for that person it was this profound moment of oh my gosh i now have like a literal lens into at least a part it's not a full i don't ever want to mistake it for being a full that's thing that's freaking but like, crazy right that's so like controversial it, it really is but for the at least for that person like i'm not saying that that's something that needs to be necessarily normalized but it's certainly i i guess worth exploring to see like like and but they were also doing it in the same room with someone of color because they encouraged them i want you to see yourself like i see and it was this the way they described this moment, it was pretty, pretty powerful. So there's a lot of potential there for things that, and just like any art form, the potential is only in the creativity that we apply to it. Yeah, I agree. To me, it's like, it's like tra a travesty that like so many games are just war and violence. Like, how, yeah. can't yeah. we be more creative than that? Well, there, there's a reason for that. I mean, like the army itself created, <laughs> this is what I get passionate about, media connection to military and the state violence. Like, uh, not just news and advertisements, but into like the army created literal video games that were multiplayer state of the art connected. People were super immersive. You had to like log into your character and go through classroom, like classes where they would teach you how to play your character. You'd have to sit there through all this education. Then you can go out and like start fighting and stuff. And it was so realistic and immersive. It was funded by the American military. And so there's this idea that like there are real world pressures that have, invested in creating violent video games for American youth that desensitizes them. Like in, in, in Vietnam, people lost their innocence and came back wounded, like more 
more so as a culture on the whole, we were wounded. Our innocence was kind of lost. And there's a sense that like, yes, people go out to war and experience things and they have on an individual level horrific things they have to deal with. But as a culture, we're less wounded by all the violence that we experience because we've been investing in the entertainment value of it. And there's an idea channel that sh- that it, we must have talked about it on the show before. But uh, I know Jeff and I both watched it at least. There's um, companies, gun companies will send reps to the video games that are being created to uh, make sure that their gun is well represented by the video game, that it sounds right, feels right, shoots right, that it has a correct ammunition, all those things. And there's like this back and forth play, even money back and forth play between the video games that are being created and real gun companies. So you can buy a video game and support a gun company. Right, yeah, exactly. So if yeah. you're playing a game that has the replica of a real actual model, make and model of a gun, you are giving money to that gun manufacturer yes. because they've licensed so, it. To answer your question, why are all those games? I don't think that should be legal. <laughs> I know. I, I don't, don't think so either. I don't. Why are it's all those got games too much influence out? on kids. Yeah. Because there are people that benefit from it. I really do believe that's the case. I don't think it's just, I think it's a part of our cathartic nature to want to like act out violence without acting it out. That's, there's a psychological benefit for that. But I think that it's, uh, it's preyed upon by bigger entities that benefit from that. I do want to jump back and just get back to one thing Jeff was talking about. And he was talking about paintings. And how creating stuff to be shared with other people is like, that's what a video game is. People put in their lifeblood and their effort and they create this beautiful thing of art and they, they invite you to experience it and come into it. But there have been paintings that have depicted war. And I would say that's a fantastic painting or depicted violence. And I would be like, that has artistic value and it teaches me something about humanity. And then there are paintings that depict that stuff that are propaganda, Right. Like, oh, it's a painting, but it's being used to oppress people and to present an image of the world that is supposed to narrow your mind. There is art that is intended to present a world that sort of indoctrinates and brings us into it in a subtle way that teaches us things that propagandizes us. Femininity in advertising over the last 30 years, 40 years in American advertising campaigns, you just look at a a, a billboard and you see a man and a woman, the way they're standing, where they're looking, all of that presents kind of a world to us in just an instant. And we enter into that world and we accept that world kind of for what it is. That's what advertising does. It's like women are presented in infantilizing ways. Everything from how their their legs are angled to where they're looking to how they're standing to how the man's interacting with them to what they're holding. All of that stuff. And it creates this world. And I think that it is that there are moral and amoral ways of, of presenting the world that propagandize people. And so when I look at a video game, I don't give a crap if there is violence or um, witchcraft or all these things that we hated in the nineties. I care what kind of a world is presented. And I think that like there's some of the most quote unquote Christian or responsible games are some of the worst offenders when it comes to presenting worlds to their, the people that are consuming them. Absolutely. Yeah. It, see, it tends to, it seems like a lot of games like promote sociopathic kinds of thinking and behaviors. Like, uh, what's the one where you run people over? That was, it was like, people talk about that. <laughs> Grand Theft time. Auto, right? Hey, I, I don't Theft have Auto. a problem with Grand Theft Auto until they created a Grand Theft Auto where you literally could not do anything in the game unless you like performed certain actions. <laughs> I don't know. There's one guy who tried to play it as a pacifist. But why would okay, you, well, why I don't understand that. How run people over for fun? Yeah. No, how, there, how I don't a get freedom, it. there's a freedom aspect to it in that game. I'm not saying it's good what or bad. What else can you do? I'm just saying. I don't know. 
I'm saying it's bad. Isn't that the game for? (laughs) If the the game gives you an option (laughs) to shoot a prostitute just because it's in your way and you could do it, like there's there's a difference between the open world of Minecraft where you create and the open world of Grand Theft Auto where you are engaging in like criminal activity. And the I don't know. I don't think that they're to me that game series is is part of the (laughs) the problem. Anyway. That's my. I, yeah, see, I, I have I to agree with conservatives think... to an extent. Mm-hmm. Is this game like I don't even think you have to bring theology into it or religion? Is does the game value life or doesn't it? It's a very simple question. But the the argument, just to play devil's advocate, would be you're killing pixels, not people. That's that's crap. Yeah, <laughs> is it? that that goes against everything Absolutely. we've been talking about for the past like half hour, forty minutes. You not, know? No, not not yeah. sort of. I think it can and it can't. I think it could. Right. I'm failing to understand, Alan, how <laughs> how you've gotten on this heck? part of the conversation. I don't uh, understand. Here, here's the thing. I, I played a game. I played a game with a friend. He was like, oh, just try it. You'll like it. I mean, you're not killing real people. You're killing zombies. So I, I get, on, get in the game, and I, I can't remember what it was called. It was like a PlayStation game or whatever. You're either American or Israeli military as a protagonist, and you're killing people who have like dark colored skin and look like zombies. And like knowing the colonial history of the like the term zombies comes from like the Caribbean and actual colonizing uh, context where the colonizers were seen as zombies who could like snatch souls. It's like this comes directly out of post-colonial theory. Like I could not play this game because I'm like you're killing people with people of color who like zombified people like it's it's with giant guns and so your that, skin is white is, in the game that like, is what an interesting, the hell? that's a good line of critique that's the kind of critique i'm interested in in like you're looking at the it's not the killing itself for me that is like so immoral or the violence or whatever there's other levels to it i think that are amoral or immoral maybe i'm wrong maybe all killing is demon should be demonized or something how is it different for a kid to play 10 hours of games where he's shooting he or she is shooting people no hold on just (laughs) follow with me for a sec okay a teenager how is it different for a teenager to spend like or any person let's just go with a person how's it different from a person for me to spend 10 hours of my time on a saturday fake shooting pixels versus laying on my bed in the dark, like fantasizing about killing people in my head. <laughs> like, I seriously, it's very different because I've Why? done that. I've done that. And I don't. What? I've, ne- I've never not fantasized about that? killing people. I okay, yeah. play video <laughs> games. <laughs> I have video Jesus, games Alan, We need to stop the conversation. <laughs> no, we're not going to stop the conversation. This is good. I think there is a very different um, thing between playing a video game and fantasizing about violence in the real world. Like I see a disconnect Why? between those two things. I can't explain it, but I can, I can point to you probably a million people who have grown up the way that I did playing video games like that and say, we never got confused. Never once did I feel like acting violence on someone else or have that like blurred line between reality and fiction. And in some ways, uh, like enacting freedom and figuring out what you would do in certain scenarios is like that. I don't know. Maybe that's even a deterrent for some cases. I don't think I don't across know. the board it creates violence out of people. Maybe it does for it some. Maybe it, but. maybe it doesn't create physical violence, but a lot of the the advent of the vicious trolling that we see is yeah. coming from gamer communities. Like Gamergate was this huge thing. Like yep. they were they weren't yeah. physically assaulting people, but they were they were assaulting people nonetheless with their words and like their threats of phys- there was there were at least threats of physical violence like uh, in in 
alarming numbers. So I don't think that you can separate the two. And I think that it's not just shooting pixels. What came first, the chicken or the egg, though? And maybe this is what you're going to say something along the same lines, Alan. Like, are, are video games galvanizing these young communities, most of them young men, for the vast majority of them, um, who are trolling women and feminists um, in a really destructive, horrible way? And yes, it is tied to video game culture and like Reddit communities and stuff like that. It tends to be a lot of crossover. So what comes first? Is the video games like galvanizing those communities to do violence or are those communities already disenfranchised and angry and they're just finding a place to gather around the video game correlative I mean, both, not, not causative right i, I really right. don't think it could like, be both i don't think a violent video game is making someone make a death threat against a woman i really don't think that you can like prove that and i just i don't know i kind of react to that as i i don't think that that supports that i'm i'm more it, I don't could, think that you it, can. It could be that antisocial nature of video games, um, in some contexts, like fosters that. Sure, but like the mechanics of a video game itself, like as far as just pl- the way, what it's like playing it, I don't think that that creates those things necessarily. I'm interested in. There are gaming communities where people maybe playing one team versus the other, like Halo or something, and they're shooting each other, right? And like killing each other and respawning and doing it over and over. But the conversations that are happening between the people on this team and that team and like learning to be able to converse across like boundaries with enemies and stuff like that actually create some really beautiful things. And I've seen it happen. And I don't know. But you can't at the same time discount the content of the games themselves influencing that behavior because you take out the violence of it. You have to take out the depict. You have to bring in the depiction of women. And that's directly correlated. That's what I'm arguing for. Right. That's what I'm arguing for is the world that's presented by the game is sometimes immoral. I do believe that. Yeah. But and then perpetuates real life immorality. Like you can say a troll, they're just connected, but they're affecting real life when they viciously and attack and threaten someone with whatever they're doing online uh through chat or reddit or whatever yeah by the way can i just say something that's a personal like that i hate just a personal peeve of mine you know how people say troll they think of troll as in like a cave troll when troll was I, always think of, I always think of the troll under the bridge yeah right under the bridge the the original term in my understanding because i was a part of gaming culture when it rose or whatever is that troll is like when you're fishing you, when you're tr- when you're fishing and you're trolling on the water is when you have like the line behind you and you're moving through the water on a boat or something and it skips across the top and a fish will like nab it. So you're you're actually trying to get a reaction. That's what troll is about. You're not this nasty little beast. You're somebody who's trying to get a reaction out of other people. Anyway. I think that makes pissed. you a nasty little beast, but this <laughs> is my opinion. Uh, maybe it does. All right. Well, so where do we land on this? What are our, what are our closing thoughts? I don't think there are closing thoughts or necessarily. I think there's just so much involved. It's a very complex issue. And to say that something is good or bad based on whether it's Christian or not, or based on whether it has this element or that element is to ignore that there's entire communities of people that find meaning in this and to ignore how God may or may not be active in that. What do you find meaning in it? Talking to people. I don't play all the time. I used to play more, I think when I was like in high school and then early college. And I'll jump back in with, my uh, high school friends, I have really good uh, friends that will probably play, I don't even know, once a quarter or something. And just like the community that's built, not just between us, <laughs> this is really personal to talk about. And I appreciate you asked that question. Um, <laughs> no, I just got excited. I want to uh, know. <laughs> that's really cool. Thank you for asking that. I uh, Sure. I, I, I think that like 
there's just something so freaking beautiful about you're put into an instance where it's so easy within seconds you are online you're in a game and you are put into a relationship with a bunch of other people you don't know and it creates a sense of community very quickly and a sense of intimacy and then you like you can talk to these people and because you have a common goal and you overcome that goal together and you like succeed or something you have this sense of like a third place you know not home not work whatever it's like kind of safe sort of <laughs> it's really weird thing about a gaming community is safe cuz in a lot of ways it's not but like it kind of is what you make of it. And there are a lot of times where you can have some of the most deep and intimate conversations within seconds of, of meeting somebody you would never experience that in the real and quote unquote, the real world. So that's what I love about it. Maybe that's way too much too fast. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense at all. No. I, and I think that that goes to prove the whole, the whole thing is that we should never be quick to demean or throw out any yeah. median of communication or art because someone has capitalized on the negative aspects of it. Like we, we can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Otherwise we miss out on things. So many more wonderful things that can counteract all those negative things that we, we experience or hear about. I don't think anyone's even throwing it out anymore. I think once mom started playing Farmville and Bejeweled or whatever, whatever those games are, Candy Crush, people stopped demonizing video games because they found something they enjoyed. <laughs> but then they also stopped calling out the real things in video games that need to be called out. So yeah. I think that there, there's people, another... Maybe there are some times in life where it is like a just and holy and right <laughs> thing to play Candy Crush song. That's right. Like you That's need right. a break. You need to take a break sometimes or, or, or life will just drive you crazy. Um, I, I think along the artistic route and the imaginative route, I, I think... I've played some video games that are really meaningful to me personally and really lovely. And really, I felt like, I don't know, expanded my world. Like you said earlier, Alan, I, I do think that as an art form, as a form of entertainment and um, a quest, there there's something to be said for them, you know? So mm -hmm. I think, yeah, That's it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. That's a perfect transition into ending it this is. conversation and into our segment. So let us know what you think. Uh, if you want to add your voice to this particular conversation, you can comment at the show notes at irenacast.com slash 93. And there you'll find a complete list of all the other ways to follow, like, and contact the show. That's irenacast.com slash 93. And on the other side of the music, we are going to be discussing our favorite and least favorite gaming experiences. <laughs> So since we had this long conversation about the moral and spiritual and societal implications of video games, let's have the other side of that conversation and just talk about what is awesome that we have experienced and we have played <laughs> and then what is not so good. Although we may not even get to that part because I feel like, Alan, you addressed that when you talked about the left behind, <laughs> the left behind game in our nah, conversation. There's others. <laughs> All right. Those so are, actually, those are pretty bad. You're right. So let's let's start. Mona. Jeff told me not to interrupt and you just dominate did. the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I just did. Just stop. <laughs> because I get so excited about these video games. All right. Oh, just because you're that excited, I feel like I need to start. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Good. I'm trolling you. I'm trolling you. Am I getting a rise? No. That's not how it works, is it? I you bet. can't just shout your trolling. I'm trolling you. <laughs> no, you can't say I'm trolling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trolling you. <laughs> okay, uh, you guys, I have a a deep love in my heart that started when I was 12 years old when my best friend and I decided that we would uh, play her brother's N64 in the basement of their house. And we started playing, you know, around lunchtime and 
we didn't stop playing or stop to eat until 8 p.m. Like my first, I mean, okay, so Alan, I grew, so Alan and I are cousins, if you don't know this, if you're new to the show. Alan and I, I grew up playing like 007 and stuff at Alan's house growing up because there was three boys in his family and three girls in my family. Like we didn't own any video game systems, but we would go <laughs> to the, the Alan's house and play with his brothers. It was super fun. So anyway, but I didn't like, I didn't get the bug, you know, until I was 12 years old playing this game for eight hours without taking any breaks and just got engrossed in my first game ever which was Zelda Ocarina of Time and it was epic and it was memorable and I to this day I have these amazing memories of like warm fuzzies of playing this game and how great it was to be in the you know with my little sword and my little Hyrule shield and running around collecting bugs and stuff so I I I just can't tell you how much I love Zelda games and I played several of them I know you're a fan too Jeff right yes I'm 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 gonna just give mine right now that's my favorite game series of all time although my yes my uh, Air five. my love affair started a little bit earlier with the original nintendo um i remember being mesmerized by the gold metallic cartridge because it stood out from everything else and uh exploring every inch of that that first world the second one wasn't so good but it's still part of the canon so we have to accept it but <laughs> everything else since then has just been just on and the the new advertisements for the new uh the new nintendo system and the new game that's coming out this next year is uh it's gonna be great yeah zelda is the greatest game series of all time hands down don't try to argue it it's gospel we've said it that's it i have played (laughs) i have played almost all of them and i have to say ocarina of time is by far the best nothing even comes i think at the time that game Sorry, I, I'm going to hijack the conversation. I'm just going to shut up right now because I get so excited. That game was before its time. Majora's oh Mask is gosh. also incredible. It is, but but the Ocarina of Time was seriously before its time. There's something super just, magical about that game. It just, for it's, real. It's perfect. Yeah. I, I honestly I have a hard time. burned and I was alive. I have a hard time <laughs> picking a favorite. It's like picking my favorite kid. You just can't do it because they're all just... <laughs> oh, you can do it. Jenna. So amazing. Uh, my, favorite, my favorite game, I'm going to give... Because I've... I've uh, dipped my toe in the water of video games in the past. Um, I'm only going to pick my favorite game of the last couple years because uh, there's just too many to w- go through. Jeff laughed at me because I had to look at lists and stuff and see what my favorite yeah, this was. This is a well-researched opinion, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> this is me stepping back and saying I'm only going to think about... This is a lot of setup here, man. It, sh- it should be because the game is amazing. <laughs> in the last two years or three years, the best game that has come out is called Firewatch firewatch it's this game that is like it just is extremely emotional and like you start out the game and there's a storyline and there's this music and it like talks about you and your relationship with your wife and like things that are happening and you make these like little choices all you go through this traumatic experience and then you start uh you go off into the wilderness and you're inside of this firewatch tower to look for fires in like the forest i know it sounds stupid but like that sounds really the, weird bro the whole game is you talking into a uh walkie talkie with this woman that you like you haven't seen her but she's a part of the other firewatch tower that's really far away so you can see her tower in the distance and you talk to each other and she's like the voice of the thing through the whole game and it's like <laughs> it's one of those games that just punches you in the stomach emotionally, like really, really hard. And at the end, you're like, oh, oh my gosh, I don't think I could do this. Amazing. 
totally worth your what? time. Alan, the it's way a, that yeah, you describe that, so it sounds like yeah, you designed that, that game. Yeah, that not fun at all. <laughs> I know. When I was playing it, I was like, this is my <laughs> game. This is game. my jam. Some people call it a walking simulator because you're just like walking most of the time. I like to- <laughs> Only you you're would just think walking around? a game that punches you oh in the gut emotionally God. is the best thing ever. I was having a, I had a friend who was like, you know, he's having some tough times and I recommended the game and he's like, he's like, I need to go see someone. <laughs> like, I need to go get help. Thank you for doing that to me. It's terrible. But I, for me, it's so cathartic. Oh my gosh. It's, you, you should look at reviews. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful game. Okay. I do like slower games, like surprisingly yeah. the Nancy Drew games. Have you ever played them? <laughs> no. It sounds really, there's, okay, there's, okay, there's a whole series of computer simulated Nancy Drew games and they're, they function just like the Nancy Drew books. I love them, them as a kid. And you would think that they're like made for kids, but actually like the riddle, the riddles and the mysteries that you have to solve are so freaking complicated and challenging that it takes like a long time to solve them and they move really slowly in the sense that like you're you're kind of examining the whole room and you're expecting the world and you're kind of walking around oh, yeah. and things happen that sounds in slow really pace. familiar it's really cool they're really good by the way when you said collecting bugs in zelda it triggered my brain i was like holding a jar and trying to scoop up a bug oh that was the best yeah yeah, exactly. And then communicating with some strange lady across towers on a walkie-talkie. <laughs> hey, don't knock that, that game until you try it. Oh yeah, I'm gosh. serious. If you want to mainline emotions, just do it. You're going to free base. It's gonna if be you want to what emotions? Free base. If you want to free base emotions. If you want to like snort a line of emotions and have it go straight <laughs> to your brain, play that game. It's so wonderful. Okay. Next time I need to <laughs> coke emotions. Then. There you go. Yes worst games what what's the worst game you ever played how about that what is the worst game watch fire yeah i'm gonna go with i haven't played it alan but i'm gonna say no fire it's watch. fire watch not watch fire. <laughs> fire watch. although you do watch fire that is what you do in the game that's true <laughs> no there's like this there's mystery involved and like stuff's happening and it there's like one or two parts where it gets a little bit scary but it's mostly just like you walking and jogging <laughs> through the woods with a I, Okay. It's wonderful. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. Like you just do that in real life. It's set in the 1980s, by the way. So that that should. Oh, yeah. that makes it better. <laughs> because you don't have a cell phone. You just have a little walkie talkie. Yeah. All right. Well, before we move and, on and, to worse oh, games. Oh, and by the I, way, wait, before we move on to worse games or even what you're about to say, I am legitimately renting a Firewatch Tower with my friend and we're going to go spend a weekend up in a watchtower just because of that game. Apparently oh, you can do my this. God. They're like 30 bucks a night. Yeah. They're all over the place in the wilderness. I'm pretty excited. Wow. Yeah. That's Sorry. great. I'm glad you found a passion. Can we keep talking about our favorite games? Because I don't want yeah, to talk about worse games. I don't want to spend time talking about bad games. Because like, I was going to say. Why we spend oxygen on them. My other oh, favorite game is Minecraft. I'm addicted. Like, probably full You're on addicted legit, to Minecraft. Jeff. I love yeah. that game. It's so great. This open world. It's basically just like video game Legos. And uh, I. I can't do the graphics. I wish I, I want to like it. You just have to believe once and you're hooked. That's it. You have to pretend that, that the mean? graphics don't matter and like believe in the world, even though it I looks can't. like. But that's why I like it. Person. I like the graphics because it's like this simplistic uh, design. It's just like blocks. Like you would sit down and you would like build blocks with, a, with a kid. My and I you made fun love, of me I for like Firewatch. I want to so badly. And you're like, I love playing a game with blocks. It's the best. Okay. Well, that's just, a, that's because I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be like a child and have that freedom, not emotionally tormented for my life. Like, which one's weirder? <laughs> Your longing right. is, is psychological discomfort, and my longing is to have the simplicity of a child. 
So Jeff and I spent about a week playing Minecraft, or a little bit longer than that, playing Minecraft together. And I built a sandcastle. And it was pretty Dude, awesome. I love the amount of dork that's happening in this conversation. <laughs> okay, I have an iPad game to recommend. Um, I have a couple, actually. Uh, have you guys played Two Dots? Yeah, it's like Candy Crush, but with dots. Oh, it's so it's much better. Well, more well designed. It's like actually yeah. like puzzle based. My my favorite iPad game would be Out There. It's this uh, really indie, like artful game where you wake up inside of an alien ship and you're just going from planet to planet trying to get what you need to survive. And it's, oh, that sounds cool. It's kind of comic book esque. And it's just, it's gorgeous. It won all these kinds of awards. I bought it because of the awards. The music is good. So out there is, but I, I don't want to talk about games I like. I want to talk about games I hate because there's just one. Why? There's one. There's one that I was never good at. I'm not kidding. It doesn't matter how much I played. Everybody beat me. Everybody laughed at me. And I'm like, I have childhood trauma because of it. And it's that game of uh, worms. You know, worms where like. The little worms are jumping. That's one of my favorite games. I love that game. I sucked so I could not do it. I couldn't do it. It just it hurts me still even thinking about it because I could never master that game. That's how I feel about Halo. Three every three seconds I die. (laughs) I I get shot in the head. It was was so fun. I think I played Halo with you probably as my cousin and probably the game. Yeah, I think we did actually, but I didn't like it. Uh, the game I want to recommend on iPad is. Re- do you guys like MC Escher, the the guy who does like the three D? Yo, this game is awesome. Do you know yes. what I'm talking about? Yep. It's called Monument Valley. It's like five bucks on uh, an iP- on iTunes Store, but it's like worth it. It's amazing. It's puzzle games and the graphics are beautiful. I like puzzle music. stuff. Talk about a game that won awards. That game won all kinds of awards for being yeah, it's so artful. I literally one time Googled artful game and that came up. <laughs> nice. And so that's, yeah. And do you guys ever play Oregon Trail? Because that always holds. We have to talk. We, can, we can't end this segment without talk talking Oregon about Trail. Oregon Trail. Yeah. Did you know that we tried to do that in our class because of that game? The video game came out. Everybody loved it. Then we tried to do it in my junior high class and my teacher killed me off at the very beginning. So I just sat in the corner for like three weeks while everybody played this game. It was terrible. So Why is all of your yeah, gaming surrounded it. around emotional trauma? <laughs> like, oh my god! My goodness, this is supposed I to be a happy conversation. Go, I led my family to a well to get water in Oregon Trail in in my like classroom. And she's like, oh, Alan, you're dead. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> like, why me? Whoa, it's so that's sad. terrible. I hate Oregon yeah. Trail. I hate the, those uh, games. Oh, it's those, so those type of games. You that hated game. it? I didn't like that it. It's awesome. You How can play it online Sims for free. Sim City. I love the Sims. I like Sims. I like anything where you I have just kind like of a free world the to build. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. That's, that's why so I like fun. Minecraft so much because it's that same concept. I like the open world, do what you I'll, want. But I'll that's just, because I'll I don't like rules, Sims and then I have so many more options. <laughs> you don't like rules. <laughs> oh goodness! All right. Well, I think that that, that will do it for us this week. Um, if you enjoy what you hear and you want to support Irenacast, you can go to irenacast.com slash support for all the ways in which you can do that. So for this week, I'm Jeff. I'm Mona. And I'm Alan. Thanks for joining the conversation. 